Ever wonder what's really behind some of these large-scale donations to universities and athletic programs that you might read about? So do we. What drives someone to give away their hard-earned money to a college? Is it nostalgia or something else? We talked to Jeff Brown, a Miami Herbert Business School graduate who has gone on to help turn NFI into one of the largest third-party logistics companies in the world. With over 15,000 employees, his company touches on some of the biggest trends in the economy today, from supply chain challenges to the cost of labor and everything in between. Jeff and his wife Tracy recently donated $1 million to Miami Herbert and the University of Miami Athletics Department. The donation will directly support student scholarships at the university. You're listening to The Herbert Huddle, and here's our conversation. My name is Jeff Brown, and uh, our family, and particularly my two brothers, we are the third generation of ownership of a supply chain logistics company called NFI. And my dad's, uh, my grandfather actually started the business in 1932. Uh, We never were around to meet him. He passed away at an early age. My dad had to inherit the company right away. uh, And he had lost his brother at an early age. So he was by himself with nobody really helping him and and built a a pretty sizable trucking company uh, with warehousing as a sideshow up through the 60s, 70s, 80s, and into the 90s. And as my two brothers and I came into the business in the 80s, when we all got out of school, and I graduated from Miami in 1981, our industry was deregulated by the government. And what I mean by that is if I had to relate, the airline industry was deregulated around the same time, uh, meaning that supply and demand dictated pricing as opposed to the government setting the pricing. And there were big companies that came in to compete with us during that time frame. Right when we entered the business, Companies like Schneider National, J.B. Hunt, big-sized trucking companies that blew our doors off. And we were almost on the verge of bankruptcy. And my dad, I can remember him saying, like, ever since you guys came in, the business went to hell. Well, that was motivation for all of us, my two brothers and I, to say, we're not going to let this thing go get tanked. So we ended up saying, we got to figure out how to take advantage of the business we have. And if you fast forward today, we're still in the trucking business. We've got about 5,000 trucks and about 13,000 trailers on the road today. We have about 60 million in warehousing space, 60 million square feet in warehousing space throughout North America. We have become one of the largest uh, import drayage companies Drayage is where the containers come into the U.S. ports, and you've heard a lot about supply chain and the U.S. ports being all screwed up. Well, we handle that business at L.A., Long Beach, Houston, Savannah, Norfolk, and we bring the goods in with our drivers and our transload warehouse facilities right there, and we end up 
bringing the product into the domestic warehouses that we might operate or our customers or customers might operate. So now COVID hits a couple of years ago, the world supply chain goes up in smoke, the existing one, and everybody's got to reconfigure. E-commerce takes off. The need for more inventory is out there across the country and Canada, which we operate in. And all of a sudden, from our international perspective of dealing with the containers coming into U.S. ports, along with our domestic uh, setup with warehouses, some of which we own and develop, some of which we lease, and then with our trucks, we got to the sea level of these big, big time companies. And we got a seat at the table because people needed solutions. And so we have fortunately benefited significantly through COVID and really has created a, uh, it's eliminated a middle-class, you either grew significantly or you got swallowed up by COVID. And we were very fortunate we have a great organization of about 15,000 employees that are working extremely hard. They work through COVID. We're very proud of what, what we've accomplished and uh, providing opportunities for our employees and career pathing is probably the, the biggest thing we're most proud of. Let's go back to 1981 or the late 80s. And you're sitting in Coral Gables, Florida, on the University of Miami campus. It's a typical day. What are you doing? I am uh, going to class. <laughs> I am going going to class. And uh, after, after class, I would either go to the library or the choice was to go out and uh, maybe play basketball or go to the pool or go to the beach. And so it was always uh, a, a little bit, uh, the choices were there. And sometimes it was easy to make the wrong choice uh, when I was there. And I guess what my, it taught me is that the first year I was a little bit taking advantage of all the good times. And as I realized that school was for four years and you had to get something out of it, I took it a little bit more serious the second, third, and fourth years. That that was very beneficial. Uh, but I will tell you this: uh, Miami was a great spot. Uh, we was a big Hurricane fan. Jim Kelly was the quarterback when, uh, when I went to school there, uh, and he actually was him and Howard Schnellenberger, the coach. They actually were the first ones to really give us a chance to turn this program around. And really, nobody knew it was going to become the era of Miami football, but it was really the beginning of an era that uh, made it, uh, created a lot of pride for anybody who graduated from the University of Miami. And it lasted for a long time. And hopefully it still continues. I know we're going through a rough time right now, but I, I think we'll be back. We've got too much going for us not, not to be back. Uh, you know, and, and going to see the Dolphins, when I was down there, uh, whether it was Bob Greasy, Dan Marino, it was great. It was just a lot of fun. The old Orange Bowl where the Kings used to play and where the Dolphins played was a great happening. Uh, you know, and it was relatively close to campus, which sometimes can be important to a school's uh, success. Uh, 
I know we play at a beautiful stadium today up in, uh, at, uh, what is it? It's not called Joe Robbie. It's called Hard Rock Stadium now. Uh, it's a beautiful stadium and, uh, you know, maybe it could be a little closer, but uh, it, it was a great time. Uh, you know, I had a lot of friends from the Northeast that went down there to school. Some of them did not make it through the four years. Some did make it through the four years, but I think that that's just the nature of, of Miami and all, all it has to offer. I don't, I don't know if there's anything else I could say other than the fact that they had some great relationships that I, I still have today from the people I met at the school. I, I was fortunate enough that my wife said to me, stay close to the university uh, because uh, uh I think it was when Donna Shalila came, became president of the university, it really seemed to take off. Uh, and uh, my kids were like in grade school at, at that time. And I remember my wife saying to me, my wife, Tracy, she's talked about saying, look, that was a great school. You were a part of that. You ought to get back involved with that. And I did, I got, I got back involved. And it turned out to be tremendous. My two kids, two of my kids went there, had a great experience, graduated, got great jobs. One works for Amex and has a phenomenal job with Amex here in South Florida. The other one works for uh, JP Morgan up in New York. Got All got their jobs through the UM. Uh, and then I have a third that is a senior in high school. He has applied to Miami. He's got some other schools he's been accepted to already, uh, but he's going to make that decision in the spring. And uh, we're uh, Miami's been really good to our family, uh, and it's uh, made some great contacts. And uh, just proud to be a part of uh, such a great atmosphere. So uh, athletics um, has meant a lot to your in your life as well whether playing sports or your kids playing sports or you watching sports, why, why are you attracted to, uh, to athletics? Do you think? So, uh, athletics was always important to us. I grew up with two brothers and, uh, we grew up in a small town called Vineland, New Jersey. And there wasn't much going on in Vineland, New Jersey, except our black and white television would have, basketball games and football games on there. And uh, since there was nothing else to do, we got into watching sports or playing, playing sports. And uh, the one thing that we found as we came in to business uh, and, and uh, sports has an impact on whether you watch it, whether you participate in it, a direct correlation to whatever it is you do in life. You want to win. You want to be successful. And sports, you got to play as a team. Not everybody is great at scoring baskets. Not everyone is great at blocking. But you need, if you have everybody together, one unit is better off working together than an individual. And that's true in business as well. It's true in life and whatever it is. And we found that out that, you know, why we might be a superstar because we landed an account. It's the people that execute it every day that make it happen 
is the reason why we get the renewal, we get the rate increase, all those kinds of things. It takes a village, they always say, uh, to be successful. And I think sports is a great correlation uh, to business and, and in life and trying to be aspire to be successful. Recently, you and your wife uh, just announced a, a large gift to the university, kind of split between the business school and the athletic department. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that gift? And I'm bringing it up for a reason, kind of for a larger reason, but let's tell us about that gift and, and kind of why you guys wanted to do that. So uh, I was very proud of the fact that my kids got a very good education and they came out as normal, ambitious kids from the university. Uh, and they got great jobs. They've advanced in their careers. And I said, Miami did its job. Miami literally, they turned out to be good kids. I know we have some impact on them as well as parents, but they, the friends they had, they had great friends from down there. And we were very proud, Tracy and I were very proud of their achievements, their success. Uh, I was always a, a, a huge sports fan from uh, the Canes for the last 40 years and all the successes that they've had in basketball, football, baseball, uh, swimming, track, whatever, uh, golf. And I always felt like if I had to, to do something for an institution uh, or charitable scenario, I should give back to somebody that gave us a great return on investment. And I felt the University of Miami gave our family a great return, ROI, which is something everybody uses in business. And I felt like here was a chance to say thank you and also give an opportunity to those kids that might not be as fortunate as our family and have a scholarship opportunity so that they can have that same opportunity that my kids had. So I hope that helps. Yeah, well, I think one of the, one of the real things that I'm interested in uh, for our conversation is to try to get a sense of, especially now, when Miami's looking, as we're having this conversation, Miami's in the process of looking for a new athletic director. And a large part of the athletic director's job is to raise money and to have relations with alumni and donors and kind of do that. You've been on that side of the equation. So I guess I have two questions as it relates to that. One, kind of bring us in behind the curtain a little bit to, to these large gifts. And, and they are very important to universities. Um, what is that process like? You just pick up the phone and call the university and say, hey, look, this is what I want to do. Uh, do you like kind of bring us, walk us through how that works? Yeah. So I, I think uh, when it comes to fundraising or, or gifting, uh, it's, it's not a uh, first time you meet someone. Uh, it, it's sort of like a relationship, a relationship uh, that builds up over time uh, and uh, trust. You got to have trust in the person that you're talking to. Uh, and trust in what, what the values uh, or the direction that the charity is going in or, or charitable institution is going in. Do you believe in what they're doing? Are they successful at what they're doing? Uh, and do you want to be a part of something that can help them be even more successful? 
uh, so in my experience with Miami, uh, I know he's no longer there, but Blake, Blake James was, was uh, uh, a great uh, asset for the university from my perspective in that he was trustworthy. I felt like he understood what was important for the university. Uh, I, I do believe his intentions were to win. <laughs> it didn't happen uh, as quickly as we all would have liked, but I, I felt like uh, I believed in what he was trying to do for the university on the sports side. And for a period of, uh, period of there, he had a lot of success. Over the years, I remember the football teams. I remember going to that Notre Dame game. We were number two in the country. It was like a buzz. Everything was like the ESPN was on campus pregame. It was a happening time at the U again. Unfortunately, you know, the last couple of years has not been as successful. I think the intent has been there. Maybe we could refine that and move forward. But on the business side, uh, I would say a little differently. Uh, I think a guy like John Quel Quelch, is it? Yep. John came in uh, and brought in some good teams. Uh, Casey Supple, uh, she came in and they didn't try to ask me day one. They basically tried to say exactly what they've inherited here at the business school, what they're trying to do for the future, what they see as long-term goals, what they view as short-term goals, and they had a plan. They have a plan, and I said, "Wow, it's kind of exciting. I'd like to be a part of the plan, and if I could help them be successful in their plan, that's better for the university overall, helps them in their careers. But I, I think ultimately, it's a feel-good thing for myself that I was able to, fortunately, in a position to give back. I'm giving back this." to a school that helped our family be successful. We'll take a quick break from our conversation with Jeff Brown for this word from the Miami Herbert Business School. The only constant in life is change. Change is a dynamic force that moves through everything, our personal lives, our professions, and the roiling markets of the world economy. How we adapt to this change and how we reinvent ourselves in response will define us, especially when that change produces a trial and the things required of us are so tough. Our city of Miami has shown resilience in the face of many trials and has used those moments to propel profound transformation. To harness the forces of transformation, we need to build resilient leaders who have the knowledge and courage to change everything. Here at the Miami Herbert Business School, we're preparing the next generation of leaders for the bright future that will lie ahead once this trial is passed. We're prepared to confront the unknown. And we're here to help you build your future. Interested in getting your MBA? Visit herbert.miami.edu to learn more about the various degree programs that Miami Herbert offers. Now, back to the conversation. So I imagine that you're friends with other uh, University of Miami uh, alumni, some of them might be donors, right? And I'm sure you know donors to other, whether it's philanthropy organizations or uh, universities or whatever it is. 
So you, you've, you've really given us good insight into sort of the mindset of those of that set of people. Um, what do you expect, though, in return from from the leadership, these relationships that you have? I mean, what is by and large, let's talk about athletics. What is by and large the expectation for you, um, you know, for, for the UM athletic program? What do you want to see happen? I, I would like to see, I think all of us would like to see the UM athletic program get back to the 80s, 90s, uh, early 2000s uh, on an ongoing basis. Uh, and it's going to be very challenging. The world's a much different place today with these big time schools in which we're, we're competing against. But we've got to figure out how committed we are as a university. How do we attack uh, the, uh, the uh, alumni in a way that they feel a part of this? I mean, I'm just one, one donor. There's a whole university of, I don't know how many they graduate a year, uh, 2,500, 3,000 uh, kids a year. They become alumni. I don't know how strong that, that uh, uh, ability to stay in contact and follow up with alumni is at Miami. I think it's, a, I, I've seen, that would be the one bit of advice I would give the university. I, I think they, uh, there's a lot of my friends that never get called fr from the university unless I ask them to do me a favor and say, guys, you got to give something to these guys. But it, I think what I loved about John Quelch and his program is they try to cultivate uh, and they don't try to have the big ass opening day. They know it's a long-term strategy and uh, they're in it for the long haul. And I, when someone sees a plan like that, I think a lot of people will feel really good about that. Looking to the future here of, of, of UM, um, and you mentioned some of, the, some of the issues that UM faces. One of them is the size of the university, right? It's a smaller university, uh, thereby there's, there's just less students in, in the community. Um, you have a lot of parity among athletics now, among other colleges. You've got people that maybe they live in New York or excuse me, they live in South Florida, you know, in the 1980s, they weren't going to leave town. Now they go to Alabama, they go to Ole Miss, they go to Tennessee with impunity. It doesn't matter. Tell me about that. I mean, what do you think are, are some of the challenges um, that you talk about with, uh, you know, athletic directors or maybe potential athletic directors uh, or coaches? What are some of the challenges that you think Miami faces? Uh, facilities is probably numero uno. Uh, and when I say that, training facilities, locker rooms, uh, practice facilities. And uh, I know for fans, it's been sometimes an issue to go to Hard Rock Stadium. I don't know if that's overblown or not because it's a gorgeous stadium. Uh, it's no big deal for me to t take the ride. But I don't know if that means something to the players. I, I, I don't know that. Uh, but I, I would think... Uh, uh, the ability to be on national television, uh, the ACC network, for whatever reason, is not on Comcast. Uh, and Comcast is all over the country uh, from a cable standpoint. And so from a visibility, a lot of these players want to be on television and want to be seen. Uh, 
by the NFL because everybody's looking as that as their next step, even though a small group make it. Uh, so I, I would think the ability to, to access the uh, bigger television contracts is important too. And certainly the SEC has got it going right now with the big time schools and the big time uh, TV contracts. Uh, but the ACC uh, has the capability because they are probably numero uno in basketball. Uh, and uh, I, I don't know if they leverage themselves as much with, with, with the uh, big institutions. Uh, the other thing I would say is uh, the, they talk about uh, Miami and all it has to offer. Uh, and a lot of what Miami has to offer is different than all the state schools, the Alabamas, the Georgias, Miami has the nightlife. Well, I don't know how you use that as a positive versus a negative. Uh, and you want kids to have take it all in, but they've got to be able, and they're such young kids, they got to be able to develop maturity right away between what's good for the football program or basketball program versus what's good for an experience in South Florida. Uh, and, and if they can figure that out, they really have an advantage over a lot of other schools uh, that, that Miami's very unique in that respect. Uh, I think uh, the, the, other, the other challenge is, is that uh, the internet has probably opened up uh, a lot more opportunities for these Florida kids to look elsewhere about what else is going on in the world. So you've just had the nature of more competition because of the internet. Uh, and that can help a kid get more opportunities that maybe he didn't get before. They talk about how Miami used to walk into Liberty City and get the best athletes to come to the school now. Well, everybody can go into Liberty City. Everybody now knows what Liberty City is or something like that. Right. Uh, so the state of Miami, you know, used to be Howard Schnellenberger created that, of course, as you know, well, kind of able to lock down everybody in Palm Beach, Broward and Dade. And that's not not as easy now. Well, in our closing seconds here, I do want to know, you know, obviously you were a fan of Blake James. He's uh, no longer in position here at University of Miami. What do you want to see in the in the next athletic director? I don't know if there's a particular person you want to see or but what what qualities are you looking for in the next athletic director for the University of Miami? I, I think someone that has the vision to really look out over the university has the support of the president, has the support of the board of trustees where everybody is aligned because for Miami, the sports is the biggest marketing tool they have to get money for the university and uh, money. Well, although I got to say this, the business guys have done pretty good with the, uh, with the recent awards that, that they achieved. Uh, but I, I just feel like sports is the marketing arm of the university of Miami. And if the, if he has the support of the entire university or she has the support of the entire university, uh, I think uh, they can be successful. And, I, and unfortunately, I, I think there's going to have to be a tough discussion with the university is how much money can they have in their budget uh, in, in order to compete 
with the state schools like Florida, Alabama, Georgia for the top talent that's out there. That's really, really a big, big question. And in a private university, it can be a tough discussion. It's not an easy answer, but th there's gotta be a commitment if you wanna have a top-notch sports program. You gotta have a, a strong budget. Well, especially coming on the heels of Lincoln Riley getting brought out to USC, getting over $100 million contract, guaranteed money, a similar contract for Brian Kelly. I mean, if you're able to uh, recruit Brian Kelly away from Notre Dame, which is now a, a stepping stone job, apparently, to go to LSU, I mean, that is some next-level competition that Miami has to fight against. You're so right on that, and uh, that, that's a reality of the world we live in today. Well, Jeff Brown, thank you so much for uh, being on the podcast today. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. You were cool. You were fun. And it's all about the you guys. We're all in at the Brown family. That's all we have for this episode of the Herbert Huddle. Thanks to Jeff Brown for joining us and making such a deep investment in the University of Miami. If you want more from the show or want to see our great guests on screen, you can find it all on the Miami Herbert YouTube channel. New episodes of the Herbert Huddle are uploaded every other Thursday, so be sure to subscribe to our feed on your favorite podcast app in order to get it in the future. And be sure to rate and even give us a review if you have a few seconds. The producer of the Herbert Huddle is Marlene Liebisch. Special thanks to Dean John Quelch and Vice Deans Hendrik Kronkvist and DJ Nanda. Additional production support is provided by Rise News Brand Studio. I'm Rich Robinson, and we'll see you next time in the Herbert Huddle.